0: Welcome to the Intentional Encourager Podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now, here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years, in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor. Get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell them you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Another podcast on the road. You can see by the background, but we're going to redeem the time because again, what else are you going to do in the hotel room but record a podcast? And I can't think (laughs) of anybody any better that I want to bring to you today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. He's an author, speaker, consultant, sales coach. I could probably take 10 minutes running down his list of accomplishments, but then we wouldn't have much time for conversation. And I want to bring to you the incredible Ben Gay, the third, who joins me on the Intentional Courage podcast. Ben, how are you today?
1: I'm doing fine, Brian. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. And I hope this is the first of numerous times we will meet.
0: Absolutely, I, I, I look forward to that. Let's start here, and, and I've started here, just about every podcast. We 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 as as we record and release this, goodness, we're we're closing in on about 230 episodes of the Intentional Encourager podcast, wow. and so we've done this. I've asked this question a lot of times. I don't want to ask it again because I like getting perspectives of people. In different places you're in California. I'm as we record today, I'm in New York. I in I'm in Garden City, New York. But but again, I, I've noticed some things around I, I I live in West Virginia. So take me through the last couple of years for you. How things have gone in your business professionally, personally, things like that. What's one thing as we as we wind to the end of this pandemic, and it looks like we're seeing the finish line. What's one lesson that you've learned the last couple of years that you will carry out of this time that we've had in the last couple of years?
1: Well, uh, you're younger than I am, so this isn't my first rodeo. Uh, well it's I've it's been, good
0: hair dye. it's it's it's, it's dyeing your beard we, it's using a great <laughs> a great product my wife my wife colored her hair and i said if you get to color your hair i get to color mine so all right yeah
1: Do you use that just instead or whatever it is that well yeah I, I mean i wish they
0: would sponsor the intentional encourager podcast so then you know i yeah. could say i could say look i i look good on youtube because of just for men <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Just for men.
0: So if anybody is a- out there listening and you're an executive with that company, uh, hit me up at the intentional encourager podcast at gmail.com. We have, we have sponsorship opportunities available.
1: <laughs> I have uh, my handy tube of Ben Gay available. Well, yeah, they, times. they
0: need to pay you. They need <laughs> to pay you naming rights for that. I think you're, I think, <laughs> I, I think you're, think. I think your grandfather was the original Ben Gay, wasn't he?
1: Well, he was ben gay senior and yes. dad was junior on the third. There is yes. a fourth. And uh, But when I was coming up through school and so on, they spelled it differently. It was named after Dr. Jean Benjou, B-E-N-G-U-E was his last name. But they couldn't get Americans, in particular Southerners. I'm from Atlanta. They couldn't get Southerners to say Benjou. They were saying Bengay. So finally, in 1960-ish, I think I was a senior in high school, they gave in and changed the spelling to My Way. That's the same year, by the way, that Gay ceased being just happy. Yes. So the product changed to been Gay, and Gay took on a different meaning, and my life changed forever. Yes. (laughs) I still remember 1960 clearly. Yeah, so anyway, what I've... I can't say that I've learned a whole bunch from it because when you're older and you've been through other things, the civil rights movement, the Vietnam protests, uh, I was conceived December 7th, 1941 Pearl Harbor day. My father said two great tragedies befell America on December 7th. The Japanese <laughs> struck Pearl Harbor and I was conceived, <laughs> but, uh, So, you know, and I'm a student of history. So I knew, and this too shall pass. I spent most of my time comforting and counseling younger people who thought the end of the world was here. And uh, so uh, it reminded, rather than learning new things, reminded me of a lot of things. And this too shall pass uh, tomorrow, I, I remember, uh, not too long ago a few months ago that any uh song tomorrow tomorrow was running through my head because i was thinking you know i just i'm tired of hearing about people whining about their plight in life it's gonna be over it took longer than i thought i thought Mm -hmm. it was gonna be a three three month event but uh, uh that was it and it sort of broke my pace in that uh, except for a few clients with corporate jets who flew them in to pick me up to take me back to their home office, Co- you know, commercial airfare in the old days of 15,000 people in an arena went away. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I say broke my pace, I mean that in a positive way. I don't have any deep yearning to spend long hours in airport terminals. I turned down one the other day. It was, few weeks ago they had weather problems staffing problems and so on and i had just seen a thing on the news about some lady who were interviewing who just spent six hours in the dallas airport Hmm. and so then the call comes would you come join us Uh, i think it was in atlanta maybe savannah somewhere and i said no no (laughs) we haven't even told you the date (laughs) and i said no uh i'm not gonna subject myself to that i just had the good news as as the problems at the airport were shutting down i walked up to the tsa people and started taking my shoes off and the guy said sir how old are you and i told him he says you don't have to take your shoes off you haven't had to take them off for several years i said who was is somebody supposed to tell me
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: from from 65 on you don't have to take off your shoes at the airport And uh, so it's a little more in my life, a little more relaxed than it used to be. I'm always being asked uh, because of my silver hair, uh, when are you going to retire? Or if they don't know me, are you retired? And I think of George Burns, the old comedian, when they asked him, he was pushing 100. uh, uh, When are you going to retire? And he said, to what? I, I do what I love. I walk on stage and I tell jokes and I get paid for it. At home, I tell jokes and I don't get paid for it, it's, you know, and the roar of the crowd,
0: <laughs> so, yeah. on, so
1: nothing's going to change. Several years ago, when Gigi and I had been married just about the length of time. You and Mrs. Sexton have been 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the lottery had, whatever it is, the super bingo or something had gotten up to almost a billion dollars and Gigi bought four or five tickets which is fine. It's fun. You know, I didn't expect to win, but it's sort of Mm. fun thinking about it. And she said, if we won, we're just coming back from the convenience store. If we won, how would our life change? And I said, well, we're living where we want to live. We associate with the people we want to associate with. I'm doing what I want to do. I think you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. I think I would go to the office and write the next newsletter. She said, you know, with a billion dollars or 800 million, whatever it was. Yeah, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. One of the secrets, Brian, I bet you can relate to this. People say, you know, you get paid a lot of money to speak. And I really don't. I haven't raised my fee in a long time. It's still, it's going to 12, five. It's been 9,500 for 20 years, Mm -hmm. but compared to what, to dig in ditches that's pretty good you know yeah and uh are you gonna raise your fee and so on and and i always think to myself the secret that they don't know is i would pay them if i had to yeah to get it in front of five or six thousand people ten thousand whatever and be the center of attention for a few hours and and make some money you know we sell books and stuff at the back of the room but uh, I just love what I do so much. I'm a people person. I'm one of those mm-hmm. people who, although I don't want to sit in an airport for six hours, I could. I just find the concourse that's got the most traffic on it, and I just sit there and study them. I mm-hmm. love looking at people. I love talking to them. You and I were talking before we came on. I told
0: ben, I told my wife the same thing. I said, "You can, you know, you can get." She said because I, I was telling her something we were in a store or something and I was telling her something that I I had heard. And she said, well, how'd you pick up on that? And I said, I just listened to conversation. Yeah. I just, you know, if, if people are going to talk out loud within earshot of, of me hearing them, then I can find information that I can use that helps me you know either I, I think they were talking about like a road close. there was a marathon I was in Virginia Beach last week for vacation Oh, they were talking I about was a marathon
1: in Virginia Beach
0: yes, yeah exactly and and Ben they were talking about a marathon that was coming and these road closures and I thought, okay, we need to kind of get prepared and so from that conversation I started asking some questions about you know what what time do we need to leave and and, and things like that and you're right is is that ben it feels like companies have said let me go here for a minute companies have said we can do this these events that we've always done live these trainings and 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 development seminars and things where we get everybody together and we 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 it's it's a big part of our marketing budget and things like that they've said you know oh we can do this virtually and what they never can replicate are the conversations in the hallways that people Coffee learn? Breaks, that, lunch, exactly. The, I learn more things in breaks than I do in the trainings. Right. That that I go to. Because you talk to people and people are just, they're like, hey, you know, what do you do that's different? Oh, oh, I do this. What do you do? Oh, I do that. And and then you start getting that information and things like that. Yeah. When, when you get to go in front of a room, I, I want to ask you this. What makes you nervous? Because you, you know, every, every, I've sang since I was a little kid, I've sang in front of people, I've, I've done ministry and preaching and things like that. I don't get nervous a lot anymore, a little bit sometimes. I think that's ingrained in you, but what makes you, does anything make you nervous anymore? All the speaking you've done over the years, does anything make you nervous anymore?
1: No, Uh, 5,000 plus paid appearances, probably another 5,000 for service organizations in prisons and so on, Uh, literally nothing. But I got inoculated early on in one of my very first paid ones and very early in my career I started making a lot of money. Zig and I had joined a multi-level marketing company and, uh, I was introduced, you're too young to know who he is, but Ern Westmore was the Dean of Hollywood makeup artists. Ask your mother about him and she will know who he is and that he used to be on the Art Link Letter show doing makeovers out in the audience. Well, he mm-hmm. was our director of beauty and fashion, vice president of and he was nice enough to take me to lunch, went to the Carnegie Deli for the first time in New York. A little Southern boy, that's an experience when they begin yelling at you because you don't order fast enough. And uh, the uh, while we were eating, Ern was taking these nitroglycerin tablets. And I didn't know that's what they were at first, but I finally asked, and he had a heart condition. He said, if I don't take these on a regular basis, I'll fall over dead. And uh, so on. So we finished up, and he as we're walking back to the Park Sheridan Hotel, he said, Ben, would you mind if I introduce you tonight? I'm going on in front of you. And I said, I would be honored. Now, this, I'm nervous. You know, one, it's the, probably the first crowd of, of that size, about 5,000 people. Uh, early in my career, I'm meeting Ern Westmore. When I called my mother to tell her Ern Westmore was going to be on with me, and he was going to introduce me, she wouldn't believe me. And he by said, the way, no,
0: Art Linkletter was a, a, a fantastic talk show host, hosted oh. some game shows. Art Linkletter was was uh,
1: extremely popular in those days. Oh, yeah. And a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Traveled with American sales masters and so on. So anyway, I said, yeah, I'm, I walk into the room, earns up. He's already working. And it's about six steps up to the stage. And I'm thinking, okay, when he introduces me, how do I not fall down? I look to my left, there's 5,000 people stacked up in two or three, about bal- two two balconies plus the main floor. And I'm thinking, I'm going to run. You know, I haven't been introduced yet. I can go up to my room. Nobody will know. Ern might have an awkward moment or two. <laughs> While yeah. all this is running through my well, mind. Well, he's
0: a professional. He'll be able to get through it, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah, he'll cover it. We'll be glad to have the extra time. <laughs> I I had it justified. I was ready to go. And then I heard him say, I had lunch today with a young man who, mark my words, is going to wind up as president of this company, which was right. He was just a year and a half early. Uh, And uh, so, and then the spot, I'm I'm thinking I can still go, he hasn't said my name. Uh, Spotlight swings over, I mean, a, you know, show business spotlight. And it's on me and I'm thinking, okay, you should have left here about 30 seconds ago. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, here's my newest friend. It's a Benjamin Franklin gay, the third. And before the D on third was fully out of his mouth, he dropped dead on stage. And I don't mean like he fainted. He looked like he'd been shot with an elephant gun, just boom uh flat on his back so i ran up on the stage did my uh is there a doctor in the house thing i've seen done in movies (laughs) and uh, somebody came up and somebody called an ambulance and so on they worked on him for a few minutes again there's 5,000 people looking and i'm standing there watching all this with no help and finally the guy looks up at me the fireman and says "Uh, sir he's dead And I said, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. And they picked him up, put him on a Stokes litter, that's that basket, you know, on wheels and start rolling him towards the door. And there's this deadly sign. I've never heard 5,000 people that quiet. And uh, I thought to myself, there's a spotlight on you. You're next up, you better say something. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I was honored to have lunch today with the great Ern Westmore. And I grew up watching him on the Art Link Letter show and so on. Uh, to have lunch with him is just marvelous. And I saw him taking the heart pills and I said, Ern, if he had to go, how would you like to go? And he told me today at lunch that he would like to go in front of a large crowd talking about beauty, fashion, and makeup. Ladies and gentlemen, He just got his wish. Let's give him one last standing ovation. Wow. Brian, they almost tore the room apart. They told me later they could hear it out in the lobby (laughs) up to the first floor.
0: Ben, that is incredible. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us, and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt, or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car. Whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year, let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement something to think about that might help you do it. Products for profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe, as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community community. community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coach Joe 89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the intentional encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the intentional encourager podcast. Because you, you see this traumatic event in front of you. It It is bone chilling when something happens like that. My, mm-hmm. my paternal grandfather passed away after he stood up to pray in church and collapsed and died of a, of a heart issue. My father was four at the time and my wife's grandfather, who was in, d- directly in front of him, had his head bowed and heard him hit the floor and turned around. And and that's something you never forget. My mother-in-law mm-hmm. told me about that on, on my wife and I, on our first date. She told me about that. That's something you never forget. How do you, and thank you for, for leading us there, because how do you in that moment— Keep your composure to, to people are watching this in horror. They're watching this, this man paramedics are working on him, fire ENT, EMT. They're working on this man. There's chaos. The room just suddenly filled with chaos. How do you restore calm in a, in a chaotic moment And, and you're having lunch with this man. You look up to this man, he's spending time with you. And in front of you, he takes his last breath and you're recalling that, that moment so calmly and clearly and vividly as though it happened yesterday. Let me go here. What was that impact on you from that moment on seeing that in front of your eyes?
1: Well, it taught me two things besides the philosophical and the religious and everything, speaking of religious, when I realized I had to talk and I have a dead body at my feet, uh, I said, Jesus, uh, please (laughs) help me, give me the words or a step and fetch. It used to say "Feet don't fail me now. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking tongue don't fail me now. (laughs) And out came what I just told you. I said, that was totally spontaneous. But there were two other great lessons there. Uh, one was scripting. I was there to give an opportunity meeting. There was 5,000 people in the room, about half of them were distributors, half of them were prospects, so 2,500, 2,500. And our closing rate in a group situation like that would be about 40% probably. That night we closed 90% because it was such a Boom, type thing. I've kidded over the years and said, if you want to have a really great closing rate, get somebody very famous to introduce you who's willing to drop dead on stage. Yeah. Uh, and then follow him. And uh, so I was supposed to say, if he'd said, Ladies and gentlemen, here's Ben Gay, third, and walked off the stage, I was supposed to say, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ben Gay. I'm a general distributor with Holiday Magic Cosmetics. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to tonight's special meeting and then i would go into a 37-minute word for word presentation show a business film at the end of the film it said turn to, turn to the person who brought you here ask how you can get started in holiday magic lights slowly come up everybody gets out their legal pads and they on the scripts try you know drawing the circles that go with uh, network marketing and uh, so when it, the, the doors flapped when they went through the doors with the Stokes litter flap flap, that that was sort of my signal back to you, Ben. So I turned to them and I said, "Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Ben Gay. I'm a general distributor. And I went into the word-for-word word script, and that's when we closed 90% of 2,500 prospects in the room. So I learned: uh, keep calm, trust trust in God. If you ask Him for help. He'll come forward. He did for me that night. Uh, keep calm. Uh, I learned a real lesson about scripting. If I was still winging it, like, like I did in the early days, because I didn't want to bother to learn the scripts. If I was still winging it, it, this wouldn't be an inspirational story. be a nightmare story. Um, and I also learned to care about the audience. It dawned on me that Earn died. The spotlight's on me. But all those people are thinking about themselves. So what can I give them in this awkward moment that would help them? And so those are sort of the three great lessons I learned from that. Somebody asked me one day in a seminar not too long ago in Las Vegas, you worked with Dr. Napoleon Hill. What are the three things that he taught you that meant the most? And I hate questions like that. He taught me 500 things, but I didn't know they were going to ask. And I'm, I'm supposed to come up with three. And I did my uh, little look up like I was cranking my neck. But what I was saying was, Jesus, I need a little help here. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, uh, my tongue said, integrity, absolute integrity in all things. Focus, Dr. Hill is forever saying to me, focus, Ben. Focus, when he saw me, I I have a shiny object syndrome. And uh, I'm easily distracted. And then, or if I, if I'm not disciplined and then take action. And he had taught me that several times the hard way, take action. So integrity, focus, action that night with, with, uh, earn, it was a very similar situation. Uh, I asked for help and I got it. Yeah. And, and scripting. And, you know, so therefore when I'm doing sales training, so, so I don't want to be bound by a script. It's all I can do, Brian, to keep from going for the throat. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, exactly. If
1: you've been in, yeah, if you've been in selling over 30 days, you're on a script. You tend mm-hmm. to say the same thing in the same situations anyway. So we're not discussing, are you on a script or should you be on a script? We're discussing, are you on a quality script that was well thought out, tested and proven? And you know, they say, well, I, I can always tell when somebody's on a script. I say, you must not have much fun at the movies or while <laughs> watching television.
0: <laughs> well, it's the ability, you know, Ben. It, it's it, we, you know, being in sales, pushing thirty years myself. The biggest thing that changed for me was when I learned I, because I'm I'm a lot like you. I, I get distracted easily. The biggest thing that changed my selling was when I learned to look my customer in the eye and keep eye contact. Because at that point, the script went from here to here. It went from my head to my heart and then out of my mouth, looking that person in the eye. Because when you look somebody in the eye, it's hard to deceive them. It's very hard Mm -hmm. to deceive them. Most human beings, even great liars, when they're forced to look someone in the eye, they can't do it. They can't, they can't lie because it's very hard. Someone you care about, it's very hard to deceive them when you, but that changed the way that I sold when I began to keep and make eye contact because now I feel the, to your point. What Doctor Hill shared with you, when you look someone in the eye, integrity kicks in naturally, and focus kicks in naturally, and through your eye contact, you're transferring action. And so I love what you said there. I've got to I've got to go here quickly because you mentioned someone that I absolutely adore, a hero of mine. I still gain encouragement, inspiration from this man. And this, this man's son, Tom, is a, a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And that's Zig Ziglar, the, the late, great Zig Ziglar. Arguably, our country's greatest. Now, in my book, our country's greatest motivational speaker. Zig yep. could just do it. And, and no no disrespect to anyone else, but in my mind, my belief, the greatest that's ever been. I want you to talk for a few minutes about your relationship with Zig and some lessons that you learned from Zig, either privately or publicly, that you want to share. Because Zig has the greatest, and, and forgive me for being a little long-winded here, Zig has the greatest quote, that, and I use it all the time, Ben. Zig said, encouragement is a fuel that powers hope. And to me, that is just, um, Zig, Zig said, had had two or three quotes that I really encouragement is a fuel that powers hope. You can have anything in life you want. If you'll just help enough people get what they want. And I had those two quotes till the day I die will always be a part of me. Please talk for a few minutes about the impact that Zig had on you.
1: Well, Zig was 18 years older than I was. He was in the Navy uh, the day I was born. So there was a, a generational spread, but when you're young, you don't really, you're not aware of that. You know, none of us were old yet. The first old person I worked with was Dr. Napoleon Hill. He was 84. I was 25 when he came to work for me. But, uh, in Zig's case, I was putting a, a wife through nursing school and I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And nursing school was surprisingly expensive. I've discovered.
0: Yes, uh, still
1: is. <laughs> Yeah, and the equipment, the things she had to have and so on. So I started looking for a better situation. And I picked up the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Wednesday, September 15th, on the corner or the fork of Peachtree and West Peachtree in a phone booth, right next to a phone booth. And I flipped through the want ads, and I couldn't find anything I was qualified to do. Uh, I got all the way to psychologist and stuff but i couldn't do anything i couldn't type they didn't let boys take typing in those days or mm-hmm. you were thought odd, odd if you did so uh, it dawned on me that i pretty much was skillless except for the ability the natural ability to talk to people i was voted wittiest in high school in fact i was so witty i was thrown out of two high schools before i graduated from the third <laughs> one so that's witty I mean, (laughs) see, see, you (laughs) know,
0: see now, if, if you had been, if you had been born 60 years or 70 years later, you could have gone on TikTok and use your wit.
1: (laughs) Probably so. Your YouTube. Yeah. yeah. You would have been a,
0: yeah, you would have been an internet superstar. Exactly.
1: Well, I went into this phone booth and I called, finally I saw business opportunities. I didn't know what a business opportunity was. I'd never heard the term but it was a separate section. And, uh, under that, I saw a little ad that said "If you know, anything about marketing plans and want to make more money dial this number. So I dialed the number because although I didn't know what a marketing plan was, nor a business opportunity, I did want to make more money. Mm -hmm. So I dialed the, the number and this guy answered, his name was Bill Dempsey became a dear friend and, uh, I began interviewing him because I was Ben Gay with Brown Gay Food Brokers Company, skipping over the part that I wasn't the gay in Brown Gay Food Brokers. That was my father. And about five minutes into my interview of him, he said, excuse me, excuse me, stop. He said, Mr. Gay, I'm not the man standing in a phone booth answering want ads. Where are you? And I told him, he said, you're about two blocks from my office be standing in front of my desk in 10 minutes or don't ever dial this number again and he hung up and slammed down the phone so uh, my running buddy the best turned out to be the best sales person i've ever personally worked with jimmy rucker came around he also worked for my father at the time and uh, i jumped in the car like robin in a batman movie and i said let's go 1447 west beach street he said what's going to go on i said we're going to be rich So drove two blocks to the place, ran up the, uh, I don't think I wanted to wait for the elevator, ran up to the third floor, walked in. And I said to the receptionist, uh, hi, I'm Ben Gay, and we're here for a noon appointment for whatever. And uh, from behind me, I heard this laugh and a Southern accent, Ben Gay. And I turn around, there's this curly-headed guy sitting there. And I said, hi, my name is Ben Gay. What's yours? He said, Zig Ziglar. I said, with a name like Zig Ziglar, you're laughing at Ben Gay? You got to be kidding me. And he laughed and I laughed. He'd answered the same ad. We went in uh, to the meeting together with Jimmy, listened to the 30 minute, the same presentation I gave in front of the crowd the night earned. died. listened to the opportunity meeting. And all three of us signed up. And uh, Zig had not yet had a big hit. He was still peddling uh, cookware in Columbia, South Carolina. That day was the start of Zig's introduction to big money, uh, as it was mine and Jimmy Rutgers. So that's how we met. And uh, he was hard to dislike. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody was Zig's friend immediately. So we became buddies uh thanks to him. And uh I watched him on stage. He didn't know the meeting yet, but he knew how to speak. And he got up and dazzled them all with uh, I used to kid him I said got dazzled us with his lounge act. He could have been a stand up <laughs> comedian. You know, and did biscuits, fleas, and pump handles. Even and, when uh, he
0: was in his older years, I, I saw him in two thousand and eight and I, I shared this with Tom and you can go back and listen to the podcast that I've had with Tom Ziegler, but I shared with Tom this. I said, Tom, your dad was battling dementia in 2008. And I said, your sister was with him and she so beautifully led him to, and if you've ever been around someone with dementia, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you lead them to familiar places. Yep. And when she led him to those familiar places, you saw Zig come back and be Zig and captivate and mesmerize and just those those phrases and those, the, the, the couple of the phrases that I, that I used a few minutes ago, Ben, yeah. it, it just came back and it was powerful that in that moment, his daughter so lovingly led him to those familiar things that you saw all those years ago, you started to see those, those things develop. I want to ask you this real quick. What did you see in private of Zig that most people didn't see in public? Because a lot of times people, because a lot of times Ben, you know, when, when, when you get, when you, when you're on stage and things like that, you're, you're in front of people. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have conversations with people that are dear friends of mine that I might not have in, in, a, in a business setting just because I'm more comfortable around them. But mm-hmm. what did you see in private that most people might not have seen in public about Zig?
1: Uh, a raucous sense of humor and a little bawdier than his image in later years was. The way I explain to people is I knew Zig before he was Saint Zig, when he was just one of the guys and we were all trying to make money. Uh, I knew, I don't know if he drank in the later years, but I knew him when he drank after the meetings in nightclubs and so on. He And he, he just, it wasn't all biblical. It was a salesman who could speak on, you know, on his feet quickly. And who everybody loved. Here's a little secret. Uh, I'm, I'm a good salesman. Zig was a good salesman. But Zig's closer was a guy named Mel Lanius. My closer was a guy named Jimmy Rucker. Zig and I, Zig more than I was, but we were the front acts. You know, hi, I'm Ben Gate. Uh, uh, Zig with his pump handles and stuff. Uh, but when it came to sit down with somebody and get them to turn over their money, uh, Mel was better than Zig was, and Jimmy was better than I was. But we complimented each other. Z- Jimmy, I don't think, ever gave an opportunity. He may, but I don't recall it. Uh, and I never saw Mel at the front of the room. He was just lurking in the background. But uh, uh, And Zig, probably the business side of him, might surprise people when you're that jovial and happy and all people sometimes don't take you as seriously as they should zig called me and a got a gentleman named merle frazier who's one of my original mentors and still a good friend to this day uh called us one day and announced, this is business zig he wanted to move to dallas he wanted us all to go with him or the two of us go with him and join a big church. And I don't mean in a sacrilegious way. It was just, you know, if you're going to be in church anyway, which he was, Mm -hmm. might as well join a big one and use as a center of influence. And uh, I think Merle went for a while, not an official move, but he went. I had things going on in my life where I couldn't. And, uh, so that wasn't one of my options, but I saw Zig plot out. Like he would tell you in goal setting, you know, do this, do this, set this mm-hmm. objective, do this and so on. And he did and started becoming Zig Ziglar. It, it, there's a difference between that and the guy I met at 1447 West, West Peachtree street, in 1965 there. He was funny, but he wasn't yet a superstar, uh, which he became, uh, the other thing in looking back, you know when you people ask me questions like that, usually I have to sort of skirt around it because there's sure. something bad that you don't want to say. For instance, if X, Y, Z guy was your hero, you built everything you knew around him and so on, and I knew something terrible about him, I would never tell you. absolutely because that would discount what he the lessons he shared with you. Hey
0: everybody, Brian Sexton, have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend, Brad Norwood with Dreamit Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experienced travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too and brad can help you with both of those things i can't give you any better encouragement than to give brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com and when you get there click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences and i promise you this unlike plaques awards trophies things like that experiences and trips like these don't burn up in a fire again go to www.dreamitpro.com today and now let's get back to more great conversation here on the intentional encourager podcast well again everyone has things in their life that they're not proud of
1: right you know,
0: I certainly do me too. <laughs> I, I, I'll be the first, I will raise both hands. Yeah. And, and again, you, you, you were very careful about telling everything, you know, my, my dad always said, don't tell everything, you know, yep. and, and my dad in later years was a pastor of a church and things like that. And I didn't share a lot of things that I knew privately that happened to my dad. You know, because I didn't want to stain his memory, and and it's not Ben. It's not really a stain, as as it is. I hope when I pass away and my son gets to carry on and talk about his father, I think to some degree I might say to him, "Don't hold back," because it's a it's a very connect there's connective tissue in those in those moments in life where you were less than perfect because yep. everybody has been there everybody has has had those moments where they were far from perfect and I think I would say to him I would say look it's okay to tell some of those things that don't paint that don't paint your dad in the rosiest of pictures because then people would say, well, man, I, I kind of struggle with the same thing. I kind of, you know, I had that same issue and I never told anybody cause I was afraid of retribution and repercussions and things like that. And, and, and Ben, that's, that's why the, that's why we do the podcast is because everybody has those things in their life that they've overcome or they've gone through and, and, and things like that that shaped them. And people say, I thought I was the only one that went through that. I thought I was the only one that dealt with that. I thought I was the only one that did that. And so, no, it, you know, my admiration for a man like Zig is the, all the people that he helped my admiration for a man like you, all the people that you've helped, because again, that's an era that's gone. Everybody wants to be an influencer, but no one wants to have impact.
1: Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die.
0: Exactly, <laughs> e- e- exactly. Ben, let me ask you this, and, and I want to be respectful of the time and your time and the audience's time. We're we're going to have to have a part two with Ben Gay the third. We're going we're just going to have to do a, a two parter at some point because there's so much good things that we could pull out. What's the one thing, if you look back at that time in your life, the greatest business lesson that you learned that you still carry to this day from that time? Because you talked about being you, you talked about your father being in the food brokerage business. That's where that's the business I started in. Was in was in food Mm -hmm. brokerage. Yeah, I started. I I I I was a twenty two year old kid that that a food broker out of Louisville, Kentucky hired. That was my first sales job was, was food.
1: You were retail detail. I was,
0: I was, I was the food. I was in food (laughs) service. Yeah. And, and so, but again, I I still remember a lesson that my boss taught me almost 30 years ago. Now treat everybody the same. You never know when the dishwasher is going to be your buyer. So what was that greatest lesson that you still, all those years later that you learned from that time at, it, I, let, me, let me make sure I get this right, from 1447 West Peachtree Street.
1: Sweet 300.
0: Sweet 300. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, the uh, All of the things that you're supposed to say when you get a question like that, honesty, integrity, treat everybody right, make them feel important. I'm a student of history and I've never read a history book when they're talking about a great person, man or woman, where somewhere in the book, you'll find somebody saying, when I was with him or her, I felt as if I were the most important person in the world. You know, eye contact, uh, total focus on that person to the exclusion. of If I'm talking to you in a meeting room, there's 5,000 other people there, the time we're together, there's two people in the room. There may be 4,900 others milling around, but there's just the two of us. So things like that are very important, uh, and the honesty and so on. But when when I think back, uh, I I don't mean to whine and complain because I was president of the largest direct sales multi-level marketing company in the world at 25. So it's not like I was a late bloomer, Mm -hmm. but throughout my career, I wish I had gotten serious sooner. Uh probably I couldn't have been president of the company at 20, you know, because that would have just been goofy. I, I had a flat top remnants of acne and a cheap sport coat. Uh, but I could have been there a year or two earlier and I could have learned a lot more from the people around me. Brian, I was surrounded by the Zigglers. They, they all work for us, uh, it, which I used to love to do when Ziggler was in earshot. They said, do you know Zig Ziggler? I said, yeah, he works for me. Cause by then I was president of the company he was our <laughs> top distributor. So it was true, <laughs> but you had to stretch it a little bit to uh, believe it. Absolutely. You know? But it, people say to me, how'd you meet Og Mandino? And I said, I'm not sure, but I think I left my office to go to the men's room and bumped into me in the hallway. <laughs> you know, how'd you meet Dr. Napoleon Hill? He was brought to my office. How'd you meet Richard Nixon? He was there looking for money for his campaign. My, my boss, William Benpatrick, had run against him for mm-hmm. governor of California. Uh, how, how'd you meet uh, Ronald Reagan? He came by to pick up money while we <laughs> are running, you know, for this and that so mm-hmm. So I, I accidentally got myself in the catbird seat. You go back to that era and pick any name. In fact, I sent you a list of people that I'd work with you. You go back to that era and name any name. I can tell you that I met him. They either worked for me or with me, or we hired them to do, you know, a speaker in, a, in seminars. Anybody. Uh, I wish, and I, I learned a lot from them, but I wish I had been like a laser beam. You know, you are talking to Ogmandino. Suck it up. Draw, you know, suck him dry. Get everything you can out of him. Uh, where maybe I was a little too casual about stuff like that. And maybe a little too caught up in me. I was Ben Gay. I was the one paying Ogmandino. Right. Uh, So a little bit of that crept in. But I would have gotten serious sooner, and I would have stayed serious sooner. Uh, To a degree, I was sort of like a fraternity guy who, uh, and I was only in the fraternity for three weeks. I was elected president of my freshman class in college, by the way but I was never sworn in because the inauguration was three weeks after the election. And by then I dropped out of school. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I think they should, there should be a law. You have to have the inauguration the day of the election so that you can say you were sworn in as president, but I would have gotten a lot more serious about all the opportunities and events that were around me. I was raised two blocks out the front gate of East Lake country club in Atlanta. Bobby Jones Home Course. Mm-hmm. The people that I hung out with, and I don't mean I, I hung out with my father, who was hanging out with the chairman of the board of Coca-Cola, the founders of Home Depot. Uh, every every almost all the top 500 companies had at least a regional office in Atlanta, and with that regional office would come membership in East Lake. Uh, so my comfort zone was set high. And and the only rule was, if I went into the men's grill, or the the crystal dining room with my father, was, you can sit there, just be quiet. Don't speak unless spoken to, and if spoken to, answer yes or no. We don't want to hear speeches from a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I walked around the course with Arnold Palmer at the Ryder Cup. Uh, Bobby Jones, by the time I knew him, was crippled and on canes or uh, so on. But uh, I've stood next to Bobby Jones for hours watching golf tournaments and so on. All those wonderful opportunities, and they affected me. They sent my set my comfort zones high when all of a sudden I was groveling trying to figure out how to put my wife in the nursing school. My head was saying, it's the reason I got out the paper. My head was saying, this isn't you. You know, where are the nice cars, the nice house, the country club membership, and and uh, so on. What happened? My comfort zone had been set high. I wish I had, in the early days, while caddying for somebody, uh, talked to him all the way around the course and become an aggravating, uh, probably. But talked to him all the way around the course. I wish that uh, when I met Og Mandino, it was, a, hey, Og, let's go have lunch. You know, sit him down in my office and say, yeah. talk to me. What 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 should I know? He saved my life, literally. By the way, uh, what should I know that you know, and so on. So that would have been it, and a little less partying. I uh, uh, drank too much, partied too much. We were all having a great time. And uh, in molt- most multi-level marketing companies, I'm doing some work with one now where everybody looks like a banker. When I came up. They came off milk trucks and they were Arthur Murray dancing structures, you know, hustlers, movers, mm-hmm. shakers who never made any money. Uh, so, uh, that's probably the most serious thing above and beyond integrity and all those things. But uh, my father used to get aggravated when I would talk about Napoleon Hill taught me integrity. He said, what happened in our house? If you lied?" that's why I got knocked on my rear end. He said, mm-hmm. exactly. I was teaching him integrity. Yeah. You
0: know? Exactly. So, my, my my dad had a zero tolerance policy against lying as well, too. And it, yeah. You know
1: But I, so I learned all that from him, but it doesn't set in sometimes. I bet it's true right. with your dad, till you hear it from somebody else. I doubt your dad I doubt Zig taught you hardly anything that your father hadn't said, maybe less humorously but hadn't said to you.
0: Well, I wish you you were talking about the people that you've gotten to be around in your lifetime. That's the biggest regret I have in the last 10 years is I've met a lot of amazing people that I would love to pick up the phone and call my dad and say, hey, guess who I had on my podcast today? Guess who I got to interact with today? Guess who I, and and Ben, the world, I, I love how you brought us there. The world since the 1960s and the 1970s and the 1980s, has gotten much smaller and the people that we can interact with today it's incredible the people that that you can interact with today that that you know the 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 ability to connect with people has never been greater than it is right now and so i listen we we are going to we're going to do a part two i i want to be respectful of your time and the audience's time we will do a part two, but tell folks real quick how they can get connected to you, get your resources, um, you know, the things things that you have, your book, the closers. Let folks know how they can connect with you, Ben.
1: Well, if they're in selling, uh, many of them, most of them might already have the closers, but this is the first book in the series. We, we're part five. This is part one. Part five is at the printer as we speak. And we've got another 15 or 20 in the pipeline. But this is very high tech. It, it's a uh, scotch taped on the back of a, a piece of packing carton. Uh, go to store, the website's fine, but go to stores.ebay.com forward slash. Ronzoni Books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E Books. And there you can get all my material at uh, with special pricing and free shipping, which you can't even get at my website. So that's how you stay in touch. Want to shoot me an email and become friends? It's B-F-G-3, as in Benjamin Franklin Gay III, B-F-G-3 at direct con d-i-r-e-c-t-c-o-n as in november.net and uh, i personally review it it's getting with this great connectivity you just referred to it's getting harder and harder but i still look at every email that comes in it's the first hour or so of my day uh, usually and I believe in close personal contact. It took. You were just touching on something that's really close to my heart. It took me over 5,000 paid appearances, plus, as I told you, probably another 5,000 free ones, uh, and/or other people seminars, to talk to and shake hands with two and a half million people, uh, I estimate. I may not have shaken all their hands but i was in mm-hmm. a room with them and we could have two and a half million people you and i with about a week's planning can talk to two and a half million people a week from today just from your hotel room if you're still there and me yes. from my office so that's amazing i'm always asking how has selling change i said selling hadn't changed at all the sheepdogs are faster mm-hmm. <laughs> and more agile it can round up more people but when the dust settles, it's just like what Zig and I taught years ago. People want to know what's in it for me. Oh, yeah. And do yeah. I do I know, like, and trust you? And that's what the Yankee peddlers were doing 300 years ago. And the silk traders were doing 1,000 years ago. But the technology has made everything easier.
0: Yeah, it's still all about connection, Ben. It's still, and I've said, I said this in my book. And I'll say I, I'll say it till the day I die. People buy connection before they ever make a transaction. Yep. You have yep. to connect. You have to connect. You have to connect. We will do a part two because there's so much more that I want to pull, more conversation that I want to pull. But again, I am so grateful that you joined me today on this episode. And again, connect with Ben at BFG3 at DirectCon. .net, and it's direct con, shoot him an email. And again, let him know you heard him on the intentional encourager podcast. But Ben, thank you so very much for joining me on the intentional Encourage podcast.
1: Thank you, Brian. My honor.